Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, mind that bird. A 50-to-1 shot won last Saturday's Kentucky Derby. The horse and the people who bet on him will be the focus of this week's Sweet Success segment, a new segment on our show, sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. That's coming up in segment three. In segment four, Sue Roden. She's the founder and national president of WISE, otherwise known as Women in Sports and Events. She's the managing director of Lead Dog Marketing Group. She was honored this week as the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center's Woman of the Year. She will join us in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Just get to those links via sportsbusinessradio.com. Go to our blog page. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach and our producer, Bobby Corser. Manny Ramirez, Man Ram. Suspended for 50 games on Thursday for violating Major League Baseball's drug policy. Sources said that Ramirez was suspended for using HCG because baseball had documentation to prove his use of the drug, which is a banned drug. It's a fertility drug that dopers use when they want to get off of a steroid cycle. Nathan, so much for Mannywood last week on the show. We talked about how the Dodgers have built their marketing efforts around Manny. They've sold 6,000 dreadlock wigs this year. Manny Wood is up in smoke. Well, you know, if you're any company out there right now, you've got to be nervous about endorsing any athlete or, you know, or being associated with any athlete in baseball right now. I mean, this doesn't come as a surprise to me, but you have to wonder who's next. Major League Baseball, if it wasn't already, has officially become a joke. Bud Selig, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, who has watched Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmeiro, and now Manny Ramirez be linked to performance-enhancing drugs. His drug policy is a joke compared to the Olympics, compared to other organizations. He's a joke. It is time for Bud Selig to go. We've seen cartoon numbers for a number of years in Major League Baseball. Bud Selig and the owners tout record attendance. They've turned a blind eye to the drugs in this sport. They've counted their cash. Well, guess what? It's time for Bud Selig to go. The owners can't go, but Bud Selig can go, and it's time. We've got lots of headlines coming up. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. 
is the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry. The Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, and it's a doozy. Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder Manny Ramirez suspended by Major League Baseball for 50 games. Unless you've been under a rock somewhere this week, you know the details. He used a fertility drug. And the interesting sports business part of this is he's going to lose about $8 million of his $25 million salary this year. So Frank McCourt, sad to see his uh, marketing tool go, but he's going to save himself $8 million. Now, The Dodgers have used Manny as the face of their franchise. As we talked on the show last week, Nathan, they've launched Mannywood. They've sold about 6,000 dreadlocked Manny wigs this year. And Manny was really a major reason why the Dodgers sold so many tickets. They're off to a terrific start. But even going back to last year, the Dodgers were a franchise that kind of lacked a face. Manny became that face, and that's why they invested $50 million in him this offseason. The interesting part will be he's got a two-year deal, so $25 million this year, $25 million next year. It's his option this offseason whether or not he wants to pick up that $25 million. Guess what? I will walk to Hawaii and back, and you know you can't do that, if Manny Ramirez doesn't pick up his option this offseason because there's no one that's going to touch him, and they're not going to touch him for anywhere near $25 million. As a matter of fact, if I were Frank McCourt and Ned Coletti and the Dodgers, I'd be looking for a way to void that contract after this season, saying, look, he's not what we thought he was when we signed him. See, I don't know that I'm quick to jump on that train just yet. I think Manny's going to come back after his 50-game suspension. He's still a great ball player. I'm not defending what he's done. The question I have for you, Brian, Mr. Media Training, is, okay, this is a little bit of a different situation than we had with Alex Rodriguez in that there was speculation he denied it, and then, of course, it comes out that he actually used performance-enhancing drugs. If you're going to sit down and talk to Manny Ramirez, what do you tell him right now about how he should approach this situation? He needs to go the Andy Pettit, Jason Giambi route. He needs to fall on the sword. He needs to admit what he did. He can't play sly like A-Rod and Clemens and McGuire and Sosa. He can't go Sosa and say, I don't speak any English. I mean, I watched him be interviewed right after he signed and right after the whole A-Rod steroid situation. Uh, Colleen Dominguez from ESPN interviewed him. He had nothing to say on performance-enhancing drugs, whether it was related to A-Rod or anyone else. And he looked like he was a little bit uneasy with the line of questioning. Well, now we know why. And, Nathan, it's important to point out here that Manny and Major League Baseball, they've known about this for probably the last month and a half. So it's not like this just broke on Thursday and came down and it was a shock to everyone. 
He's been playing this season knowing at some point he was going to get suspended because Major League Baseball had this paperwork. Well, and it seems like he kind of danced around it, too. I know he released a statement on Thursday that said that uh, take a look at his track record for the number of years he's been playing in the well, Major League That's what League all Baseball. these guys are going to say. Well, I know, but at least, uh, at least he sort of hinted at the fact that, okay, I made a mistake, but look at my past. Alex Rodriguez came right out and boldface said, I never took steroids or performance-enhancing drugs. I'm not defending Manny. I'm saying it's a different situation. Here's what we all need to, we really need to understand this from this day forward, if we didn't already. Everyone who has played baseball in the last 20 years or so is under suspicion for using. Ken Griffey Jr.? Everyone. Okay. Everyone. The only guy that I would think that I'd be shocked if they came out and said he was using performance-enhancing drugs, I would be blown away, is Greg Maddox. That's about it. Anyone other than Greg Maddox... <laughs> I would not be surprised. I think there are going to be other people. Remember, there's this list of 109 players. A-Rod's on that list. I bet Manny was on that list. We don't know who's on that list. This list could come out at some point. The point is this. We can't invest in Major League Baseball or its players anymore thinking that this game is clean. The cheaters are ahead of the testers. We've talked about that, whether it's you know, bike racing and cycling or Major League Baseball, the Olympics, the cheaters are ahead. They have the audacity to still think that they can do drugs and not get caught and that they have stuff to mask it. Well, Manny got caught, but as I was saying in segment one, the root of this problem is Bud Selig. Bud Selig has created the culture for Major League Baseball to be tur- turned into a science lab. And it has been turned into exactly that. And while Bud Selig and the owners have sat back in their easy chairs and counted the money and touted record revenue and attendance, they knew full well what was going on. And their, that their sport was dirty. And they did nothing about it. And now Bud Selig has the, the guts to stand up and say, Oh my gosh, we have a tough drug testing policy. Compare it to the Olympics, compare it to other sports, and it's really not that tough, and it needs to be a lot tougher. But the point is this. Bud Selig needs to go. His time is up. He's talked about stepping aside in the next few years. He is an embarrassment to the world of sports. He needs to go. They need to bring in someone. I don't care if it's Bob Costas. I don't care who it is. They need a fresh face. They need a new voice. And they need someone who's going to take this seriously. Well, I think the unfortunate part of this is not enough people are blaming Bud Selig. I think a lot no of people one is. are I haven't heard anyone players, this week. Which is ridiculous. I mean... Bud Selig is the mastermind. He could have stopped this a decade ago, and yet he didn't. And to me, 50 games, that stinks. The Manny's going to be out for 50 games, but he's going to be back this season. He's That's still going to make $13 million this year. He cheated. He's going to make $13 million. You know, there's an old saying, guys, a fish rots from the head down. Bud Selig is the head. The rest of the fish is rotting. That's Major League Baseball right now. And if you have sour leadership... And poor leadership at the top, like Major League Baseball does, this is what you get. I'll tell you what, Manny, to me, is in a lot better situation than Alex Rodriguez. I think as long as, like you said, Manny falls on the sword, we're going to see him in, you know, with, as, as a marketer for companies. I don't think we're going to see A-Rod in the same light. Well, the He's vo- got a chance. The voters for the Hall of Fame have a very interesting question to ask themselves, and I'm not one of those voters. Yes. Do you look at this entire generation and say, everyone cheated? And whoever has the best numbers of the cheaters gets in. Or do you say anyone who knowingly cheated that we know about, A-Rod, Manny, you don't get in. Mark McGuire, 
So far, the voters have said, you don't get in. Mark McGuire hasn't gotten in. Roger Clemens, a lot of people have said he's not getting in. Barry Bonds, people have said he's not getting in. A-Rod and Manny, I don't know. But that's the question that voters will have to ask themselves because this is an entire era of cheaters. And by the way, Nathan, and we've said this numerous times on this show, the one guy who's called everything so far is Jose Canseco. He has called it. He should get in the Hall of Fame. Well, look, there are people that have said that this week, and I'm not going to go that far. But if baseball was smart, whoever comes in as the new commissioner, and you can tell I'm pushing for that, they would go sit down with Jose Canseco and say, you were the chemist. Who are all the guys that cheated? How do we clean this up? The other thing I would do is I'd go get Victor Conte. As we've said many times on this show, and this, you know, you see all the spy movies and everything. If you want to think like a cheater, you go hire a cheater. Victor Conte was a mastermind for Balco. If you want to think like a cheater, if you want to catch up with the cheaters, you better go hire one. And Victor Conte is a guy that I would bring in as well. Well, here's the last point. The disappointing part about this is all of us who have come to love and enjoy watching all these home runs over the last decade, if you will, it's now going to be a little bit disappointing watching baseball because you're not going to see the slam fest that you used to see. Baseball is going to get back to basics. And Good. And from a fan standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, if you will, that's probably a little bit disappointing. You're not going to see the home runs you used to see. Well, look, I think baseball needs to be pure. It's going to be a long time before it's that way again. But, you know, I'm old enough to remember the days of the, the 70s and the early 80s when I think baseball was clean. And I think the late 80s is when it started to turn. And I don't believe anything I've seen over the last 20 or so years. Our next headline, the Kentucky Derby. Mind that bird, a 50-1 to shot, won the Kentucky Derby last Saturday. We'll have much more on the horse's big win and the lucky people who bet on him coming in first in our sweet success segment sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. That's coming up in our next segment. Our next headline, this is a big one. This probably would have been headline number one in any other week. The NHL and the Phoenix Coyotes and their owner, Jerry Moyes, they met in bankruptcy court on Thursday. This is the first step of what promises to be a long and drawn-out battle over the team's Chapter 11 filing and subsequent sale to Jim Balsilli. Now, Jim Balsilli is the guy who owns BlackBerry. Here's what's happened here, Nathan, in a nutshell. The guy who owns the Coyotes, Jerry Moyes, he has not been able to make payments to the NHL. So the NHL a few months ago took over operations of the Coyotes. They basically said, you've defaulted on your payments. We're taking over. It's kind of like if you default on your house and it goes into foreclosure. So they've been running this team. They've been funding this team. They've been meeting payroll for this team. Well, all of a sudden, this guy files bankruptcy. He makes a side deal with Jim Balselli, who wants to move the team from Phoenix to Ontario. And he's got 100,000-plus signatures from people saying, I'll buy season tickets. I want hockey to come to Ontario. Over on the other side of the room, you've got the NHL, who's been running this franchise. And they've supposedly made a deal to sell the team to Jerry Reinsdorf, who owns the Chicago Bulls of the NBA and the Chicago White Sox of Major League Baseball. And he said, I'll keep the team in Phoenix. Well, there's an arena deal here in the meantime that promises to keep the Coyotes in Glendale, their brand spanking new arena, for the next 20, 25 years. So what you had here is you had the owner of the team and the NHL each thinking, we've got the reins and control of this team, each out making their own deal to sell this team. 
One has the team going to Ontario, Canada. The other has the team staying in Phoenix, Arizona. The NHL wants them to stay in Phoenix. The Glendale people and the arena people want them to stay in Phoenix. Personally, I think, and I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, NHL hockey is ridiculous in Phoenix. Phoenix is hot. People don't care about hockey. They don't come to the games. The attendance is terrible. Let them go to Canada where people are more into hockey. They're much more into it. In Ontario, they got 100,000 signatures. That's a lot of signatures from people saying, I'll buy tickets. It's a lot more than they're going to get from people in Phoenix. And rumor is Wayne Gretzky, who's running the team in Phoenix, would go with Jim Balselli and he would run the team in Canada. Gretzky's from Canada. That would be a nice little marketing ploy for Balselli to pull off. Now, Balselli has tried to buy so many different teams. He's a brash kind of guy. And the other owners in the NHL don't like him. And they think he's kind of a wild card. So remember, any sale that's going to get done, just like in any other league, has to be approved by the Board of Governors, which is the other owners. If they shoot it down, it doesn't happen. Chances are, since the other owners don't like Jim Balselli, but they do like Jerry Reinsdorf, and they also like Gary Bettman, who butters their bread, they're going to approve the Jerry Reinsdorf sale, but... A judge and a bankruptcy judge is going to decide how this all works out on May 19th. Well, here's what blows my mind. Aside from everything, why would you want to buy an NHL team? We spent the last two years talking about how the NHL is in the toilet and that it's not making any money. It's a terrible investment, especially in this economy. It blows my mind no matter how bad you want to get into sports unless you just have a bunch of disposable income. Bobby, what do you think? Oh, I'd buy an NHL team if it was going to Canada. Absolutely. I mean, you have, like you said, 100,000 people that want to buy tickets. That's an instant money-making machine for you. Regardless of TV ratings or whatnot, if you have that many people sitting down saying, I'm going to purchase tickets, you jump wholeheartedly into it. Here's the problem, Bobby. We talk on this show all the time about owners make the money on their franchises with franchise values. Franchise values are not going through the roof for NHL teams. So you may be able to sell those tickets and make some operating expenses, but you're probably not going to see a big increase in your original investment with the franchise value. But give it time, though, because if you have that fan base, you're going to have people come into games. If you pack it out, you're going to be making money off that. Your franchise value will go up over the years. Listen, I'm not saying the guy needs to sit in it for the long term, but if he runs it for five, six, seven years, it will definitely be worth more than it is now if they move to Canada. I'm going to go on record saying right now, that I think the Coyotes will not be the only team in the NHL that has to file for bankruptcy. I think there's going to be other teams. All right, our last headline of the week, NBA and NHL playoff TV ratings. We've been watching these carefully. Guess what? Versus and their NHL ratings, they're up. Even though distribution is a major problem where cities like Chicago have a fourth of their city who can't watch the Blackhawks play when they're on TV, and those fans are very upset. But Game 2 of the Caps-Penguins series, OV versus Crosby, the second had more viewers than any second-round game since 2002, 1.2 million viewers. Overall numbers are up 11.4%. And then Nathan, NBA, and their TNT ratings continue to climb. But specifically, Game 7 of the Celtics-Bulls first-round NBA playoff series last Saturday night, the most watched first-round game ever on cable TV 6.9 million viewers tuned in. That was a great series. Well, yeah, and I mean, they single-handedly, as far as I'm concerned, saved the ratings. I mean, the ratings 
weren't that bad. But, I mean, that series was so incredible that the casual fan kept talking about, did you see the, the, the overtime game? Did you see the triple overtime game? That's what kept fans tuned in to, those, to that entire first round, I think. All right, coming up next, sweet success sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. And, oh, what a successful week it was for Mind That Bird and the owners. A 50-to-1 shot wins the Kentucky Derby. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate moose tracks, extreme moose tracks, mint moose tracks, and of course, original moose tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite moose tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate moose tracks, which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous moose tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite moose tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks Ice Cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. Success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. Well, if you watch the Kentucky Derby Last Saturday, it was sweet success for a number of different people. Let's start with Mind That Bird, the horse that was a 50-to-1 shot that won the Kentucky Derby going away. Now, Nathan, let me start off with some staggering numbers here. Mind That Bird, a gelding, was purchased for $9,500 originally. Now, he was resold later for four hundred grand, but this is a horse that you know, didn't have a lot of pomp and circumstance surrounding it. Wasn't like it was this horse that was bred to win the Kentucky Derby. $9,500, the original investment on this horse. For winning the Kentucky Derby, it returned $1.4 million to its owners. I would say that's sweet success. Horse has got a heart, man. The horse does have a heart. And, you know, it's such an interesting story because the trainer of the horse had a broken leg. Drove it in a trailer from New Mexico, so it's not like this horse, you know, went first class on an airplane or went in this big old, you know, trailer with all these other horses and went in style. It was in the back of this little rinky-dinky trailer. The trainer has a broken leg, drives from New Mexico to Churchill Downs, lets the horse run around a little bit during the pit stops. And, you know, it's kind of a rags-to-riches story here. This is a horse, again, 50-1, to no one gave this horse any kind of a chance to win the Derby, and he goes out and he wins the Derby. Now, here are the staggering numbers for just how long of a shot this horse was. 50-1. to On a $2 bet, he returned $103.20. That's the second highest return for a Kentucky Derby winner ever. 
20 yeah I, I want to throw out this number this one staggers me more than anything else 23 people won $278,503 for correctly picking the top four finishers in the Derby. It's called the Superfecta if you've ever bet on horse racing or dog racing. And, and that's what's amazing about this is typically if you're betting a Superfecta or a Trifecta, usually pick the favorite one or two to win it, and then you follow with the, the next two or three races. I mean, to, for you to pick this as the top horse and then go two, three, four is incredible. And talk about a return on your investment right there. I mean, I wish I just put two bucks down. Well, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. First of all, we've got to give credit to Darren Ravel at CNBC. He's kind of the one who found that there were 23 people. He had one of the winners on CNBC this week, so kudos to him for doing the legwork on that. But, you know, it is amazing that I would have thought maybe one or two people nailed this, but for 23 people. So here's another way that you can nail this is you can put a horse on top and then you do what's called a box. So you pick three other horses and then come in in any order. But still, you've got to put mine that bird at 50 to 1 on top. So, you know, there were 23 people that thought, well, look, I'm going to take the longest shot on the board and I'm going to put him in with some other horses. And, you know, that combination returns $278,503. Now, total wagering from all sources for the Kentucky Derby, $51,406,000. That's up 2.6% from last year. So, we talk about this being a down economy. 154,000 people go to Churchill Downs and watch the race. There's others at tracks all over the country. The total handle is up from 2008, even though this is a depressed economy. Look, horse racing, I'm not going to say it's dead, but it's on life support. That's why when the owners of Mind That Bird came out after winning the Derby and they said, well, we're only going to race in one of the next two races, either the Preakness or the Belmont, the the governing body of horse racing basically said, no, you're not. If you win the next race, you're going to go for the Triple Crown because we need some interest in horse racing because if we don't have that, we're a dead sport. Well, you know, you talk about horse racing, you talk about a down economy, but at the end of the day, if you see the type of people that are typically at a race like the Kentucky Derby, these people aren't hurting for, for, for money right now. I mean, these people are betting a lot of money. You talk about 23 people who picked uh, you know, the, the top four finishers in the Superfecta, but the fact of the matter is we don't know out of those 23 people how many bets they placed. It's likely that they placed five, maybe ten bets you know, and, and did a, a number of different Superfectas. Well, the guy that Darren Ravel had on, and his name escapes me, but he's one of these 23 he placed a hundred and some odd, like a hundred and five dollars in bets. So he basically invested a hundred and five dollars and got two hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars in change back. That's what I would call sweet success. Well, yeah, I mean the fact of the matter is this: who wouldn't want that much? I mean, it's like getting a hole in one in golf. I hope he took all of his friends out and bought him drinks. Bobby, what what are your thoughts on the Kentucky Derby? You know, the fact that it's a 50-to-1 long shot, as we had talked in off-air over the course of the week since the race was, was run, if you're the owner of the horse, say you go up to the winner, you just plunk down a hundred grand. Just say, hey, listen, I don't care about picking any of the horses. I'm just going to say, here's 100000 If I kiss goodbye, oh, well, my horse is in the Derby. Owners put down $100,000. They walked out of there. Saturday afternoon with $5.1 million. That's the return on investment that still blows my mind. See, and I want someone, you know, I guess we could do it if we got off our rear ends, but I want someone to find out how much money did the owner bet because all the owners bet on their own horses. It may not be a hundred grand, but it's something, and it would be very interesting to find out just how much confidence did the 
owner of this horse a 50-to-1 shot have? I mean, you know, I don't know that if I was the owner of a 50-to-1 shot that I'd be putting a hundred grand down, maybe ten grand, but I don't know about a hundred grand. Well, especially when your horse originally was only worth $9,500. I mean, 50-to-1 odds, you buy a horse for $9,500, you're just happy that it's racing in the Kentucky Derby. You know, it's funny you mention that because we had talked, again, off the air. They originally bought the horse for less than ten grand. He wins a bunch of races in Canada. They, the original owners sell him for 400000 That's still a huge return, though. The, the owner walks away with like $1.6 million just for winning the race alone. Right. Now, the Derby yielded its highest overnight ratings in 17 years, the 7% gain from last year. So NBC, who devotes a lot of coverage to this, and frankly, I think the Kentucky Derby is not nearly the TV property that it used to be. It used to be Even in the last per- two years, it's not the same TV property. Right, but as I just said, these were the highest ratings in 17 years. So if you're NBC, you're kind of like, whoa. Uh, there are some signs of life for people out there who are interested in watching horse racing. Because, look, when people tuned into the race originally to watch, they didn't know a 50-to-1 shot was going to win, so they still tuned in even before this horse wins. Now this week you see the horse on the cover of Sports Illustrated. People are talking about horse racing around the water cooler. You're talking about, oh, my gosh, there were 23 people that won $278,000 for the long shot. I mean, look, we all love a success story. We all love when the underdog wins. And some of these people, you know, I'm not going to say they won the lottery this week, but pretty good return on their investment. Well, here's the problem, though, with a 50 to 1 odd horse winning the Kentucky Derby. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think if he can go the distance to do the Triple Crown. Usually when we're talking about the Triple Crown, we're talking about what horse is going to win the Triple Crown before they even win the Derby. We don't even know who this horse is. Can they actually, can the horse come back and win two more races? I mean, you want to talk about shocked. a long shot. I, I'm still not thinking that they're out of the woods yet. I don't think this horse is going to win anymore. Well, even races. if they don't, this is already a great success story. It's a great story. story, but everybody watches horse racing for the Triple Crown. The casual person watches the Derby and says, okay, you know, that horse was a two to one shot. They, win the, they won the Kentucky Derby. Now I'm going to watch the next two races, the Preakness and the Belmont, and I'm, and I'm thinking there's a chance. With a 50 to one horse, you're not thinking there's a chance. He won't come in, though, to the Preakness as a 50-1. to 1. He'll come in at a number somewhere around probably 10, somewhere around there. But the thing is, we're still going to tune in and watch because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, listen, there's a chance he wins it again, shocks the world again. Listen, lightning strike many places more than once. This, someone, I can't remember who said it this week, but some reporter said that essentially this is the equivalent of uh, an amateur going and having to work his way through the ladder to qualify for the U.S. Open golf tournament. Then you qualify and you go beat Tiger Woods and you win the U.S. Open. This is the equivalent of that in horse racing because this horse was a nothing. It was a non-factor. It was a 50-to-1 shot. It was filler in this race. And it goes out and wins the most prestigious race in horse racing. Pretty impressive. Well, yeah, and, and the money doesn't stop here. Whether it wins the Preakness, wins the Belmont, it doesn't matter. You know, the stud fees for this horse now have gone up significantly. So you're you're not done making money if you own this horse, regardless if it wins another race for the rest of its career. We want to thank Moose Tracks Ice Cream, proud sponsor of the Sweet Success segment. Go to Moosetracks.com, click on the store locator, and find where Moose Tracks Ice Cream is sold near you. All right, coming up next, Sue Roden. She's the founder and national president of WISE, otherwise known as Women in Sports and Events. 
She's also the managing director of Lead Dog Marketing Group. She was honored this week as the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center's Woman of the Year, their 13th annual such event. And we'll talk about women and breaking into the sports industry as a woman. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Sue Roden. She is the founder and national president of WISE, which is Women in Sports and Events. She's also the managing director of Stars and Strategies at Lead Dog Marketing Group. Sue, congratulations on winning the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center's Woman of the Year Award. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Sue, we've had some past winners of this award on our show, and one of the things I always ask is the sports world is historically a male-dominated industry. So tell us how you broke into the industry, if you would. Sure. I was um, you know, a marketing professional and eventually really wanted to tap into my passion for sports. And uh, you know, through informal networking, I, I was fortunate enough to meet someone who was looking for my skill sets and uh, started out as small size sports marketing agency and that was really the beginning that was back in 1990 and you founded a group called women in sports and events wise and i read that uh, you started off in new york but now you've got chapters all over the country tell us about that and you know congratulations on spreading the success of that organization well thanks so much yeah we started back in 1993 uh, i had a a question at work, and uh, kind of an issue at work, and I realized I had nobody I could turn to. There was no mentor or other woman in the field I could seek advice from, and I started asking around and trying to find out if there was an organization for women in the sports industry, and apparently there was not at that time. And so a group of us decided, you know what, let's explore this and let's see what happens, and that was sort of our humble beginnings, and that was about 16 years ago. And from that point on, we've grown to the extent that we have chapters now in in seven different locations. Aside from New York, we're in Atlanta, Chicago, Cleveland, the Bay Area, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, and Washington D.C. and uh, And we're really thrilled that we we've grown and we continue to add members across the country. If we have listeners who want to become a member, how can they learn more about Wise? Well, Is there that's a website? Very simple. Yeah, absolutely. Our our tagline is Wise Works, and so our website is www.wiseworks.org, 
and they can find information there. And regardless of where they're located, if they're in a community that's not in one of those cities that I just referenced, they can become a national member. And um, it's a great, just a great affiliation. It's a great way to connect women. We are the voice and resource for women in the, in the business of sports and special events. Sue, you know, I get emails all the time from people saying, how do you break into the sports industry? And I'm wondering, you probably get a lot of people who ask you that question. What advice would you have for people trying to break into the sports industry? That's a great question, and it is a frequent question. You know, they have to do some research and find out what the opportunities are and what's going on. But, you know, one piece of advice is to try to really be very persistent and to distinguish oneself. And, for example, if you're interested in getting into special events, see what events are going on in your community and and offer your services to be a volunteer because you you, you never know who you're going to meet at that that event. And and by showing a good attitude, showing that you're somebody good at being, you know, part of a team and whatnot, um, it, it's really something that you have to stay with, and I use the expression, you know, being pr- professionally persistent. Do your research. Find out, you know, who are some people in the area of sports that's particularly relevant to what you want to do, and try to, you know, uh, get their attention or, or try to seek them out and go to events like WISE events that we have or other industry-related networking events and become active. You know, join these organizations. Join a committee. And that way you'll have an opportunity to showcase your talents and your passion and your ability to be part of a team. And, and people will recognize that. And then, uh, again, it's a, it's a great starting point. But it's, it, can't, it doesn't happen if you are sitting back on your heels thinking something's going to come to you. You really have to have a, a game plan in place and really go after it. It seems like we're seeing a rise in the number of females in executive positions in in the sports industry with sports organizations, especially in team sports. Are you noticing mm-hmm. the same thing, or do you think we have a long way to go before we get to uh, where you know women and men are treated equally in the workplace? I have a four-year-old daughter, just so you know, so I'm very gung-ho yeah. for equal treatment of men and women in the sports Absolutely. place. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think we've made progress. And, you know, to that, to that point, uh, at WISE, we have an annual awards luncheon that's coming up on May 27th in New York, and that information's on our website. But each year we honor three outstanding women in the field because we think it's very important to celebrate the success of women in our industry. And, yes, progress has been made. I'm, I'm a little impatient and not happy yet with where we are. I still think when you look at a lot of the conferences that are held or the, you know, the 40 under 40s or the 100 under 100, you know, the 100 most powerful, whatnot, there's still, it's still very uh, much dominated by, by men, Caucasian men. And so, you know, our goal is to see more diversity and to see women being recognized for all that they're doing. But progress is being made slowly but surely. And, again, with this, new, you know, with more and more, women getting involved and interested in the in the field, hopefully that's going to change. And I should mention that one of the things we're doing at WISE is we have a national program called WISE Within, which is our mentoring program, and we strategically match up women with 7 to 10 years' experience with people, men and women, who have 15 or 20 years' experience to provide them with the tools and knowledge they may need to go to that next level of leadership because we are very much interested in fostering that next level of leader and to make sure that we have as many women in high-profile 
decision-making um, positions in our, in our business. That's terrific. Hey, last question for you. Uh, you're in sports marketing, and, you know, I look at Maria Sharapova, Michelle Wee, Danica Patrick, big mega stars on the sports marketing stage, lots of money in endorsements. Are we doing a good job marketing our female stars, or would you like to see them marketed a little bit differently? Well, it's a question, uh, you know, part of it is a question of how, and then the question is how many. Um, you know, in some respects, some of these female athletes are, are doing commercials or marketing campaigns that are a little bit edgy, and I'm not a huge fan of that. But I think, in general, I would say that there's still uh, a heavy slant towards using male athletes when there's an opportunity for endorsements or national campaigns. You know, you'll see a lot more of the Eli Mannings and uh, – uh, other male athletes rather than female. So, you know, again, my hope is that more female athletes are used in campaigns, and hopefully they're used in a way that's respectful and really uh, celebrate their their strengths and their, their abilities and, and inspire, you know, the four-year-old, your four-year-old daughter and other women and girls out there. Absolutely. Well, Sue, congratulations again on winning the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center's Woman of the Year Award. Continued success to you. Well, thank you so much, and it was a pleasure to speak to you. Guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslight. Well, the happiest people about the Manny Ramirez situation this week have to be the New York Yankees because they were getting beaten up in the press for a PR blunder this week. We'll get to that in a second. But the Yankees, miserable season for them on the field. You've had the Alex Rodriguez steroid story breaking. You have your $1.5 billion stadium and a lot of empty seats. And, Bobby, this week what happens is you've got the Boston Red Sox in town to play a series against the Yankees. And on Monday night it was raining, and a number of fans tried to get back into the game after being told that, oh, the game is back on. So they left thinking it was a, a game over, not a rain delay situation. They try and get back in. The New York Times reported this story. You can link to it on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. But you had people flying from all over the country paying top dollar to see Yankees Red Sox. They do play ball, and Yankees staffers wouldn't let them back into Yankee Stadium to watch the game. 
when they had already paid for their tickets. Yeah, and you know what's funny is a lot of the people that had the issue of trying to get back in and couldn't, they all started saying, well, the Yankees told us the game was going to be canceled. It was canceled, and we could bring our tickets back, you know, for to get the refund or whenever they were going to play the game. And yet they continued to play the game, you know, after the rain delay. So you had all these people who were told, we're not going to play the game tonight, and they leave, and then all of a sudden, oh, wait, the game's back on, and they can't get in. That's... For one, it's bad PR, but it's even worse customer service. Well, here's the problem. And I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers, and one of my jobs was to run the Rose Garden Arena, which was the facility that they played in on Blazer game nights. And what happens is you've got so many part-time people there who are not full-time associated with the organization. And some of these people, quite frankly, are just not very bright. And some of them are on power trips. They're like hall monitor rejects that get power for the night. And they take these opportunities to make their own decisions. And the people who were working at Yankee Stadium on Monday night did not use common sense. And they drew the ire of the Steinbrenners and the Yankee Brass later this week. I would guarantee you that some of those people were relieved of their jobs. And this has been a very big story this week. Because, again, if this was an isolated incident for the Yankees this year and everything else was going well... It'd be one thing, but the Yankees have been one PR blunder after the next this year. And you look at this and you say, this is a common sense issue. Let the people who paid for their tickets back into the park. Sure, make them go through the security line again and all that kind of stuff. Make sure they haven't brought anything in alcohol, weapons, anything like that. But let them back in. They paid for their tickets. They paid top dollar. And the other thing is, I don't want to hear this at venues anymore. Oh, you can use your ticket for another game. If you've got someone who flew into town just for that game or they're on a tight schedule and they're coming just for that game and they're not going to be able to come back to your venue again, you got to let them in if they paid for the ticket. All right, it's been a busy show this week. Thanks to Sue Roden, our guest, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Go to moosetracks.com, click on the store locator. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page, become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. We're growing our audience on both, and it's kind of fun. I'm embracing social media, so go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on our blog page, and you can link to our Twitter page and our Facebook page. Have a tremendous week. I'm Brian Berger for Nathan Roach and Bobby Corser. We'll see you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.